We are uh, in our new series called Psalms 2019. And yes, I do know that there are only 150 Psalms. There are not 2019 Psalms, but this is the year 2019. And uh, we're going to be in Psalm 20 and Psalm 19. So we're finishing Psalm 20, God willing, today. So if you have your Bibles or your apps or you want to just follow along on the screen, you can. Uh, But uh, that's where we're going. Last week, we went through the first three verses, and the the theme of last week's message was sanctuary. And uh, the the subtitle, uh, the tagline was the blessing of God's presence. If you remember, if you weren't here, you can always listen to it online. But uh, the first three verses of Psalm 20 are such a beautiful beautiful prayer. I believe that the Psalms are the heart of God for us. And this, the, this prayer for blessing uh, in Psalm 20 verses 1, 2, and 3 about the presence of God, the sanctuary, the place of safety that God has for us. This is God's heart for us. This is normal Christianity. This is everyday life with Jesus Christ is knowing the presence of the Lord in our lives. That's the, that's the design. That's the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the Trinity is a mystery. We know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is a mystery how to understand that. And after only being a Christian for about 60 years or so, I, I don't really have a good understanding of the Trinity, but I'm trying. Uh, Jesus, you know, we invite Jesus into our hearts, right? You ever done that? And Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. That's really good. But then, of course, we know Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, but he's not Jesus. He's the Holy Spirit, but yet he's the Spirit of Christ. And they're, they're, they're just, it, it just is. So we just have to kind of let the, let the mind just kind of saturate with these things that are a little bit above at least my thinking. If you understand the Trinity fully, Come and talk to me after, all right? I'd like to hear all about it. But the presence of God, the sanctuary, we are, we are his sanctuary. God's people is, is the place where God's spirit dwells. Our own lives is the place where God's spirit dwells. So that's a, that, was, that was from last week. This week, I want to talk to you about overcoming. Overcoming. Victory over life's biggest challenges. And there's two words that I have for you. Actually, I have way more than two words, but the, at the beginning, I have two words for you. One, uh, one of those words is anticipation. And as Christian people, we should be anticipating victory in our lives, to be ab- above and not below, to be blessed and not cursed, to be loved and not alone. Amen? To have light instead of darkness to have clarity instead of confusion. That should be our anticipation as Christians. Freedom instead of bondage. Anticipating the pluses of life. Some of you were already saying amen, but that pause was really a good time for you to say it again. <laughs> anticipating, anticipating victory. Amen. But there are also, in this portion of Scripture that we're going to be going through, which is verses 4 through 9, the rest of the chapter, uh, Psalm 20, there are some presuppositions. 
these long words. I don't usually like to talk like that, but once in a while I throw them in so you know I know what they mean. So anticipation, knowing that God is going to bring victory to our lives, and presupposition. There's four major presuppositions in this portion that we really need to get our head around and our heart around and our faith around. Hallelujah. So we better pray right now. Ask God to help us. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is life to us. Your word is truth, ultimate truth. Your word can even bring the difference and distinction between soul and spirit. Powerful. Your word is powerful. And God, we submit to your word and pray that you would breathe upon this scripture to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So, again, I believe that these prayers and these words are God's heart for us. And the first ver- uh, verse 4, the first one we're going to be looking at today, may, may God grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. Well, that's all right, huh? There's some presuppositions in here, though. There's some sort of, you might call it a but, but but's too short of a word. So presupposition is much better for a sermon. Um, it presumes, first of all, that our heart is a heart after God. If my heart is after the things of the world, and if my heart wants just me, 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 mine, 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 and, and get it my way, if that's what my heart is like, this prayer is not God's heart for me. It's not God's will for me. God's will for me is that when my heart is in tune with him, then God will give me my heart's desire. And there's an old expression. It used to be the title of an old TV show that happened before most of us were alive, but it's called Father Knows Best. Our Heavenly Father Knows Best. Okay? There's nobody smarter than God, and there's no one who knows what's best for us better than God, and his will for us is actually what people want. People want to have peace in their life. People want their kids to grow up in a safe environment. People want uh, blessing instead of cursing. People want these things. That's what people want. That's what God's will is. And then all of the Word of God and all of the work of the Spirit that tries that tries, that is intended to bring us into, a, into alignment with God's way is meant for us to enjoy the blessings and the things that everybody wants anyway. What kind of a person does, you know, what, what, what kind of a person do you want to be? Someone with love, joy, peace, gentleness, faith, faithfulness, long-suffering, and kindness, and I'm missing one or two in there. Is that the kind of person you want to be, or do you want to be the kind of person that's, that's full of, you know, lust and hate and, and, and quarreling and, uh, you know, bitterness? And, is, you know, people don't aspire to be those kind of people. They might brag about it if they're, in, you know, gangsta, but really, people want to be good people. My wife is mocking me right here in the front row. I'm not. <laughs> You're not my wife. <laughs> You're not allowed to mock me. Everybody's laughing when she mocks me, but they won't laugh if you mock me. <laughs> people want to be good people. 
You know, this, this week we had a wonderful, wonderful meeting on Thursday. Sad, bittersweet, but wonderful. And that was we had a memorial service for our friend Doug Gibson, who passed away. And now he's uh, absent from the body and present with the Lord. And, you know, it's funny. Now, Doug was a good guy. You know, he wasn't perfect, but he was a really good guy. He was a man after God's heart. He, I mean, he and his wife, she's still here right now. Here's Lorraine. God, we love you, Lorraine. Want to be godly. And God wants us to be godly because that's the way people want to be because that's what's in our, truly, that's what we desire to be is like a good person. And God will help us if our heart is in the right place. If our heart is in unity, our desires and our passions are, are lined up with God's way and God's will. May God grant you your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. Wow. Now, here's, here's how you make good plans. Okay? Like, I, that was already a good sermon so far, right? Now, there's another one coming right now. And this is how you make good plans. You align your plans with three things. You align your plans with God's word, first of all. That presupposes, having your plan succeed presupposes your plans are in alignment, which presupposes you know God's word. So you read God's word most every day, if you can, at least a half a sentence or something. You know, don't try to read the whole thing in the day. Oh, man, I've got to make up for lost time. No, just read, just read enough so that God can speak to you. Be at peace about it, but be diligent about it. Get God's Word in your heart. So your, your ideas and your desires, you'll know God's Word. The Holy Spirit will bring God's Word into your heart. And that comes up to the second thing, the inner witness. You have a sense, you know what, I believe this is what the Holy Spirit would please the Holy Spirit. And then the third thing, God gives grace and resists the humble. No, God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. That's it. And we need others in our life. So there's, there, we need to have a confirmation from the body of Christ, whether it's your, your, uh, your really good friend that's godly or your pastor or your mentor or somebody, your spouse, somebody that you trust, maybe two or three, and, and have, have them go, yeah, you know what, I believe that's right or not. Have people in your life that love you enough to, to say maybe, you know what, I'm not sure about that. You remember we did a whole series on awkward moments, okay? So we, we're, not, we're not afraid of awkward anymore, right? That is awkward. But we still need people in our life. Because we, you know, sincerity doesn't always work out well. Sometimes we're sincerely wrong. <laughs> So, okay, so verse 4, there's already two presuppositions we've, we've talked about. May God grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. This is the heart of God for us. Verse 5. May people around us shout for joy when we hear of your victory and some other event. You know... Every prayer isn't always the right prayer to pray. Just saying. Even if we beg God, you know, sometimes the prayers just aren't the right prayers. And what often we do, and I have a mathematical, uh, a mathematical equation here for you. 
And that, you see that equal sign with the cross over it? You know what that means, right, from your grade 6 algebra, is that? That would be not equal to, okay? Not equal to. So in God's name is not equal to me saying all my stuff that I want God to do and then end the prayer with, in Jesus' name, amen. That is not praying in Jesus' name. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe this is a memo that you didn't get. But really, we need to understand that we need to know God's heart. And when we pray, we pray in the Spirit. And we're led by the Spirit. And we pray God's will. And then we are praying. Now we're praying in Jesus' name. When we pray the will of God... We're praying in Jesus' name whether we say the tagline at the end or not. In Jesus' name, amen. And it says here, may, verse 5 says, maybe, may we uh, uh, lift up a victory banner in the name of my God. And that's really uh, probably more evident when you see it like that. The name of the Lord and doing things in the name of God is almost like being an ambassador. In fact, the Bible tells us uh, that we are ambassadors of God's. An ambassador might go to an awesome country like the Philippines or somewhere else and and be the uh, Canadian ambassador. And if if I was the Canadian ambassador to the Philippines, I I would be doing things in the Philippines, anything I wanted, and I would be have the badge, you know, Canada badge on my chest, I could do whatever I wanted, and it would be in the name of Canada. Is that right? No. I would be representing the government and sovereignty of Canada. I would have to do things in the Philippines that, as an ambassador, I would have to do things that Canada wants me to do and respond the way Canadians want me to respond. And so if we do things in the name of Jesus, we do things in the way that Jesus would do them. We think the thoughts that Jesus would think. We do the things that Jesus would do. And if we don't know what what that is, we go back one point before to do those things. And so as, as we walk in this world in the name of the Lord, when we pray prayers, I've actually um, started thinking about my prayers because so often I pray my prayers and then I say in Jesus' name, amen, at the end, just more or less out of habit. And I'm not even really, haven't really even thought through whether that's in Jesus' name or not. That's what I want. That's what I want God to do. I can beg him. That's okay. It's not a problem to call out in the name of the Lord. But when we are doing things in the name of the Lord, we must understand what is his will for us and what is his purpose. Amen. Thank you. I thought so. Verse 6. Now I know that the Lord rescues his anointed king. He will answer him from his holy heaven and rescue him by his great power. You won't like this presupposition any better than the other ones, maybe worse. This presupposes that we will have peril, danger, difficulties in our life. You can't be saved from the best day of your life. 
I mean, you certainly don't want to be. <laughs> you know, you're having the best day of your life, and God's going to deliver you from that. I don't think so. It might be the worst day of your life. It might be worse than you could have imagined. In order to be saved from that, that's like a lot of times as Christians, you know, a lot of, a lot of people out in the world that they, they have a hard time figuring out why would a person want to be a Christian because they don't even understand that they're lost. They don't even understand that they're hopeless without Christ in this world because their mind is blinded. And we need to come to a revelation and an understanding that without Jesus, we are lost and we need a Savior. I'm reminded all too often that I need a Savior. And I'm so grateful that God has saved me. That I don't have what I deserve. But I have the blessing and the mercy of God that He saved me. And it pre presupposes this, this great peril and great risk that we might face from time to time. You know, one of the great promises of Jesus is that I, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. One of the great promises is, you know, I've overcome the world. But right before he made that promise, he says, in this world, you will have lots of trouble. We don't claim that promise. We don't really have to. <laughs> trouble just seems to find us. But God will deliver us. And when we're in the trouble and when we're in the risk and in the peril, it's not a very pleasant experience. Not every experience as a Christian is, is positive in that way, but it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Through God, we can do anything. We sang that earlier. Everything is possible. Anything is possible. I was reading this morning uh, in a different context and, and uh, about how that God sees the wicked and all that they do. And I was thinking of ISIS and other terrorist organizations. And God, God is not nervous in the heavens at all because he knows their end. The judge of the whole earth will do right. We might not see it. We might not even see it in our lifetime. You know, I often think about the people of Israel who were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years and what about those folks that didn't make it past year 388? You know, they lived their whole life in Egypt, never saw the deliverance. But there was a deliverance that came. And God's, look, God's keeping the books, and God is looking after things. And this life, as long as it seems, is but a vapor. And eternity, we have eternity to look forward to. Peter, you know... Peter says, 1 Peter 4.12, it says, Don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm trying to get to there because <laughs> it seems like every time I hit a problem, I go, why me? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but Jesus loves me, this I know, and he's going to deliver me. One way or another. Amen. Verse 7. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses. You know, that's, that's old language, and you have to get your head around the culture and the fact that, you know, going into battle in those days, they didn't have drones and, you know, and, and jets and, and rockets. 
you know, the, probably the, the best technology for battle was chariots and horses. You know, between that and the catapults, I suppose, you know, that was like the supreme, you know, can't, can't beat it. <laughs> you know, chariots and horses were the ultimate military strength. Uh, it, this was rewritten uh, by somebody smarter than me. Some people find their strength in their weapons and wisdom. Some people find their strength in weapons and wisdom. But we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. And in this, this particular use of the word name, it's, it's like the strength, the majesty, the position, the, uh, you know, the outcome of knowing God, knowing his name, and, his, and who he is as who he is. And this reminds me of, of the Lord's Prayer, who, who taught us to pray, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And that different from our sort of pathetic, ideas even. We, he's so much bigger than we can even imagine. He is so much mightier than we could even imagine. He is great, and his name is great. And uh, we will boast in the name of the Lord. We can trust in God. I can trust in God. You can trust in God. God is for you. God is for you. God will ultimately win. He is the greatest. He is the highest. His name is great. His name is higher than any other. He is the almighty creator. And that's who we put our trust in. We don't trust in our own devices. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. At the end of this message, we're going to read this whole psalm again. Uh, just saying, I, and I don't even have it on the screen. We'll just have to read it somehow. Uh, verse 8 says, Those nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. That's our expectation. That's our anticipation. That we will be the people who rise up and stand firm. So verse 9 says, Give victory... Again, give victory to our King, O Lord. Answer our cry for help. Give victory. And here's the fourth presupposition. This presupposes that we are engaged in the battle. We are not sitting at home, you know, what do you call it when you, have, when you watch all the shows at once? Binge-watching Netflix. We are not, you know, on our iPhones. We are not, you know, sleeping on the job. We are people who are engaged in spiritual warfare and engaged in the battle. Every single one of us. Not, it's not just for a few. It's meant for all of God's people. And if we want victory in our life, it will not come from our lazy boy. I'm sorry if that disappoints you. But it's not like, Jesus, there's a little problem over there. Could you please sort that out for me? It's, 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 it's a little different than that, walking with the Lord. 
This presupposes that we are engaging. In order to have victory, we've got to be engaged in the battle. And, uh, you know, this is, this is the, I like to, usually like to end well, and I'm planning to end well, but really this is like one of the last points. I mean, we're at the end of the psalm, verse 9 is the end, and I want to talk to you about David's darkest hour. King David, the Bible says, was a man after God's heart. And there was all kinds of battles, and they were having sort of this battle against the people of Ammon, the Ammonites. And the Ammonites were uh, descendants of Lot, and they lived on the east bank. Uh, and and uh, there was this, these battles that continually went back and forth. And, and the Bible says that in the springtime, when kings usually go out to battle, again, we don't do that now, but it used to be that there were certain times when it was sort of the time when you went out and, you know, you, you drew the battle lines and everybody got in line. And, of course, now warfare is so different than it used to be. But in those days, that was sort of the way they did it, and, and they, it was an unwritten rule sort of as that, that's how you do it. It's springtime, that's when you go out to battle. And David sent his best man his number one general, out with the troops, and he stayed home. Now, I was reading this and looking at it and trying to figure out why was he at home? Was he old? But there's a later time when he was old, and they said, look, David, we we need you to stay home now. But at this time, this wasn't what was happening. And I know that just before this story, you know, maybe it was in the fall or the winter, whatever, you know, he had been out in the battle and led the troops to victory. But this time, for some reason, he stayed home. That went the time when kings normally go out to battle. And so the, the, the battle is raging somewhere on the east bank of, of Jordan, and he's in Jerusalem in his, in his uh, palace, and he's having an afternoon nap. Now, afternoon naps are not a sin. If you need a nap, take one. But if you're meant to be out in the battle, don't be taking a nap, right? So here's King David, and it's, you know, it's probably just around sunset. Um, the Bible calls it evening, but it's actually, he can still see. It was the late, late afternoon, and he's, he's up, on, his, up on, on the roof of his house, his palace, and from there, of course, you can see a lot. You can see all over the place. And, and he's looking, and he sees one of his neighbors. It says, a most beautiful woman. I think that's what the words, how the words went. She was bathing. She was, she was washing herself. Out And, and the, the way, of course, when there's no running water, you know, there's no showers and, and all that as they do in the third world, and a lot of you know this from experience. You know, when I go to Malawi, my shower is a bucket of hot water and a cup. You know, and, you, you, you know, I, I'm blessed because I get to be inside, but a lot of times it's just outside and there's sort of this screen. Sometimes it's made from bricks. Sometimes it's made from, uh, you can see out. And you can see up. And there's King David, and so he's watching this, this woman, and he should not have been doing that. And one thing leads to another, and he calls her, uh, call, sends for her, 
and he seduces her, and, and they have sex, and then she ends up going home, and he's done. That's the first, you know, one of the first mentions of the Me Too movement. But anyways, he, she ends up, she's pregnant. Now, this is very complicated because he was supposed to be out in the battle. Her husband, Uriah, was out in the battle on the front lines. And then David is playing house with his wife. And so now it's very complicated and the cover-up begins. And so he calls for the wife to come, or the husband to come home right away so, you know, he can come home and hopefully something will happen there in, in their bedroom. And so then it can all be covered up and maybe the pregnancy will be just, you know, hush-hush. He wouldn't, he wouldn't sleep with her. Yeah, how can I do that when the battle's raging? He had a lot of integrity. The cover-up gets worse, and he ends up arranging for Uriah to be, you know, stuck out in the middle of nowhere, you know, right in the heat of the battle, and he ends up dying uh, by the design of David and his general. And the murder happens, and, and you know, what happened with this, it was David's darkest hour. After this happened, you know, the judgment the baby, she, she ended up, he ended up marrying her and bringing her into his, um, I guess, his harem, you could say. And uh, she had the baby. The baby died. But then the judgment that came was that your family is going to be a mess now. And it was. If you read the rest of King David's life, one thing after another, it was just horrible. His family just kind of fell apart. And it was so sad. And it was all because David was not engaged in the battle the way he was supposed to be. And what happens to you and me is when we're not engaged in the battle, when we're not walking in God's purpose, we're walking in our own purpose. And we're doing what comes naturally to us. And now we have fear and we have lust and we have addiction. And we have to understand that the stakes are very high. If I don't walk in victory, it's not only going to be affecting me, it's going to be affecting all different people around me. And I cannot be in victory if I'm not engaged in the battle. If I'm disengaged and if I'm home on the couch, I'm going to find myself in trouble. Now, I hope you get the connection to our spiritual life. And we can't be letting the things of this world distract us from our devotion and our affection and our love with Jesus. We need to be people of prayer and engaged in the things of God in order to enjoy victory. And sometimes what happens, you know, I mean, you look at King David's example and the temptation was there, the porn was there. Pornia is a Greek word and it basically it means illicit sexuality. And, and David was seeing something he shouldn't have seen, and he was thinking about something he shouldn't have thought about, ended up doing something he didn't want to do or shouldn't have done, and it created all kinds of problems. And some people are tied up in addiction to porn. There's people that are addicted to fear because the natural thing to do is to, it, when you're on the couch, if you're afraid of something, instead of praying, you just kind of put the blankets over your head and Hopefully you can go to sleep. 
and hopefully it'll go away while you're sleeping. That's not going to help. And we find ourselves overcome by the temptation to, God help us to be engaged in the battle. And then we can be walking in the victory of the Lord. Is that too convicting? I think it's good for us to realize that we can, we can do some things about this. If we find ourselves, you know, hear my heart, Lord, uh, it's, you know, prone to wander. Lord, help me. Yeah, that's right. Start there with at least understanding that there's an issue that needs to be dealt with and get engaged in the things of God, the purpose of God. Amen. The stakes are high for you, for your family, for your future, for your neighbor, for your church, for your city, for your nation. God can, with, with your prayers and our good works and, and our faith in God, we can see things happen and things change for the good. We don't have to be caught up with all the negativity of the, of the complaining about all kinds of things. I'll tell you what, there's a long list of things we could complain about. And, and it's true. <laughs> but we don't have to go there. Amen. So let's read. I'm just going to read this. I have the New Living Translation, and hopefully uh, you can follow along. It's not on the screen. It is the whole thing. There he is. Look at that. He's so good. All right. And you've got the right translation? New Living? All right. Good. Thank you. So may God grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God, and may the Lord answer all your prayers. Now I know that the Lord rescues his anointed king, and he will answer him from his holy heaven and rescue him by his great power. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God, Those nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. Give victory to our King, O Lord. Answer our cry for help. Amen. Amen. Isn't the Bible awesome? Let's stand together, please. Next Sunday, God willing, we're going to be switching from Psalm 20 to Psalm 19. We're going to start the first part of it, and it's going to be all about the glorious one, the wondrous majesty of our great God. That's something to look forward to. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your heart is for us. We can trust in you. We can be engaged in your work. What a privilege it is to walk with you. Lord, I pray that these words will make a difference in our life. And there are folks in this room that I I care about so deeply, struggling with all kinds of things. And God, I pray that you'd bring deliverance, that you would rescue us, that you would bring victory to us, that you would make our plans succeed. Lord, that you would answer all of our prayers. God, would you move in this house, in this church. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.
May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you and give you peace in your laying down and your getting up, in your laughter and your tears, your labor and your leisure until we stand before him on that great day. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Amen. God is good. We have people that will pray with you. Please feel free to do that. Come to the front. Receive that prayer. Coffee's on. Amen. Talk to you soon.